0: Welcome to Grace Story Podcast. We're here to connect you with education, resources, and community that equip you for the journey of restoration. My name is Nate Davison and I am your host here at Grace Story Podcast. I'm so glad you've joined us for what is a jam-packed episode full of great things that God is doing in one of my good friend's lives. Uh, That's Cesar Perez out in Idaho. Uh, We're gonna be hearing a little bit more from him in just a moment. Now, before we get into all that, if you're thinking that you want to be a bigger part of this ministry and support the podcast, a great way to do that is to donate simply by going to your phone and texting Grace Story to 44321, all one word, Grace Story to 44321. And that's where you can send over your tax deductible gift uh, of any amount. It all goes directly to impacting others and their journey of restoration. Our guest today is my good friend, Cesar Perez, and God is doing some great things in his life. Uh, He is the director and educator of CERT, Christian Education Release Time. This is a release time ministry that is actively putting the Bible back into education. Cesar spends his days at CERT uh, discipling and teaching Bible classes to public school students. That's right, teaching God's word to public school students. Uh, He has a bachelor's degree from God's Bible School and College in church and family ministries with a cognate in youth ministry. Caesar currently lives in Emmett, Idaho with his wife, Elizabeth, and his 11-month-old son, Mateo. Uh, Before CERT, uh, he spent seven years as a youth pastor and six years working in public education for fun. Uh, He enjoys the Idaho wilderness with his family and game nights with friends. Um, And he's just an awesome guy all the way around. Uh, I'm sure you're going to enjoy the conversation with Cesar Perez. Uh, Let's go to that conversation right now. All right, Cesar Perez, you are on Grace Story Podcast. We're glad to have you here. You share the gospel in public schools in the United States. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit more about what it is that you do and how you share the gospel uh, sanctioned in public schools?
1: Okay. so uh, I'm hoping right now that your listeners are doing a double take and saying, what? Because this is amazing what I do. Uh, I feel sometimes like uh, I'm the luckiest man alive to be doing what I'm doing. But you're exactly right. Um, You had it correct. I share the gospel in public schools. My ministry is called Christian Education Release Time, uh, but it's better known as CERT. That's the acronym. And so release time right there is the key to understanding um, what I do and how it works. In the state of Idaho and also in some other states, there's this law that's called Release for Religious Education. And that allows and it gives the students a choice and the opportunity to supplement their secular public school education with Christian courses. And so what I do here at this ministry is I work hand in hand with the public school district here, and I am on the list of available electives that these kids can take during the day. So it's not like an after-school program. A lot of people think that's what we are, Um, like an after school program or a before school program where we have like a little Bible study and prayer with the kids. Uh, But actually, we're integrated into their high school schedule. So kids are
0: getting grades in this class for what they learn about the Bible and Jesus Christ?
1: In my class, so I, I just took over two years ago. And so there was no grades before. So now they do have a grade. It's like a pass or fail grade based off of participation and attendance. But we're moving towards getting um, a college credit. And so then they will actually get like a like an actual grade. Um, and uh, if they pass, they will get a college credit in humanities that can be transferred to uh, any any college in the United States.
0: So let me ask you this. Are, are, so you're in a public school setting. Are you just getting the kids that go to church or are you actually getting kids that know nothing about the Bible or what, what, what does your class demographic look like?
1: And I don't know if this is normal. Like I said, I've just been here the last two years, but for me, the majority of the kids that I get are actually unchurched kids. I have maybe 25, 30% of the students that I have actually go to church and the rest don't. Um, So not only are we integrated into their to their daily schedule, right? They can just add it on like any other elective during the day, but um our building is located right next to the high school. And so they're over here during lunch, they're over here during break, sometimes breakfast in the morning. I have a little snack shop here in my kitchen and they'll come and get, you know, the the contraband. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Uh and uh you know the sugary stuff and because of that they come into my building and especially during lunchtime they'll sit down and they'll have their lunch and that's when this is why i say this is when most of my ministry starts to happen right uh the, the biggest part of my ministry i'll go around introduce myself to these kids start to build relationships connect with them find out what they like and through that um through that relationship they end up deciding to take the class you know because i took the time to invest in them to to connect with them know who they really are and then come across as a person who genuinely loves them and cares about them and that's the deciding factor that makes them decide to take this christian class right and so because because of that yeah the majority of my students are on church which which i personally think is amazing so yeah we're at a public school think about this right we're at a public school They're taking a Bible class, let's say third period, right? It's just another period in the day. They're doing it for free. And the majority of these kids are kids who would never darken the doors of a church.
0: Wow. So how do you get into something like this? How did you get into this ministry? Uh, Because you're not originally from Idaho, right?
1: No, I'm not from Idaho. Um, And uh, that uh, that answer is... is a long story you could do a whole podcast (laughs) um,
0: give me me the cliff notes on it then cliff notes (laughs)
1: notes, yeah um it was uh the summer of i think yeah 2019 now this does not sound like cliff notes but it is i promise uh (laughs) uh, i i felt god just saying it was time for a change and around the same time josh williams uh my brother-in-law uh he reached out to me Asking me to move to it was kind of like this nonchalant thing. Asking me to move to Idaho to help the church start a Spanish ministry. At that point, I you know I was a youth pastor at a Spanish-speaking church. I'd been doing that for six plus years, uh, and I just I like I said I felt God was just moving me in a different direction. So I didn't think that was the right thing, and so I said no way, man. I, that's I'm just Spanish ministry right now. I kind of need I need a break from that. And they said, well, I have a friend named Al Cinnamon. He does this thing called CERT, and he's retiring. You should take his spot. I was like, "What in the world is CERT?" And he said, "Oh, I don't. know. It's this thing. The kids they from the public school. They come over and they take like a Bible class uh, during the day." And my first question was like, "How in the world is that even legally possible?" Because like I was, I was working in Pennsylvania at the time at a bilingual charter school, uh, and so it wasn't very Christian friendly, uh, to put it that way. And so I was shocked, absolutely shocked. He explains it to me some more, and then I say this. This is a, my exact words. I say, "That sounds like a ton of fun, but no way, <laughs> that's too far away." <laughs> um, but then uh, I don't know what it was. Just I couldn't get it off my mind. Every month, you know, Josh and I have a really good relationship, and we we talk we talk to each other on a weekly basis, and at least once or twice a month. I was saying something about it, asking questions about it. And Josh doesn't work for CERT. Uh, he he volunteers as a sub every once in a while. And uh, by December, I, my heart was in knots, right? My stomach, I was sick to my stomach with conviction. Um, and I never once talked to the board. I never once talked to the director. And my, from my perspective, they didn't even know that I was this you know, in knots over all of this, but I was, and I, you know, I would even cry to my wife. It's like, do you think we have to move to Idaho? I mean, I was torn up about it. And so I remember it was in January, no January of 2019. I got the first date wrong, but anyways, January of 2019. Um, you know, after, after talking to Josh about it for months, I told my, I told Elizabeth, I don't know why I'm so worked up. It's like it's not like I even applied for this job or anything. They haven't even reached out to me. I haven't reached out to them. I don't understand why I'm this nervous. This is ridiculous, right? I need to calm myself down. I'm not kidding you. A week later, the guy calls me, and he says, "Hey, Caesar, I've been. My, my name's Al. I've heard that you've been. Um, I heard that you've been thinking about this ministry. I'd like to have an interview with you. Could you send me?" uh, your resume. Oh my goodness. At that point I was a mess. I was like, Oh no, it's happening. It
0: just (laughs) got real.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah, the next month, uh, I sent him a resume. Then the next month we had a phone interview. He bought me a plane ticket the, for the following month, I came down for an in-person interview and they offered me the job on the spot. yeah, it was, and when I was here for the interview, um, in person, I was shocked. I mean, I looked at what was going on. I saw the kids and, and the special connection that this guy had with them. And I mean, we were, I mean, literally right next to the high school. The high school there's the high school, the parking lot, and then this building. And they, there's hundreds of kids coming in and out of the, the building that day. And I was like, I said, this is amazing. This is incredible. And I thought to myself, if I don't start, if I don't take this job, I'm starting one of these back home in Pennsylvania. That's like literally what I thought. But they ended up offering me the job, and uh, me and my wife took uh, two weeks to pray about it and fast. I fasted, you know, like I only ate one meal a day for two weeks, you know, fasting for it. And I remember specifically praying one night, and I just, I think, I wanted God to obligate me to do it. Um, and uh, it just kind of hit me like, God's like, I'm not gonna force you to do it. Like, as I'm praying, I had this thought in my head like. God's not going to force me to do it. Um, he's, this is an option. This is a choice And don't be so arrogant Caesar to think that if you don't choose to take this job at the ministry will fall apart, you know, he'll just pick somebody else. I just get first dibs. And I was like, Oh my goodness. I am such a, like, I'm such a blessed person. That It just changed the dynamic in my head. And, um, and so then I looked at my wife, I had tears in my eyes, like we have to go. This is an opportunity of a lifetime that God has given us and I don't want to waste it. And so it has been honestly one of the best decisions of my life taking this job.
0: Well, that's all. And you're not the first person who's wanted to make sure that God was in something. I mean, wasn't it Gideon with the fleece? Like he put yeah. it out and then God did exactly what he said to make sure that he knew his him and then he's like well okay but we're going to put it out again just to make sure yeah you know like you're not the first person (laughs) yeah
1: that's the part that that's the parts i'm leaving out there's there were so many fleeces that we threw out and god just kept answering it over and me and my wife like ah that's just coincidence
0: (laughs) no god is not one that that wants you to go into something confused he'll he'll make sure and it sounds like he's made sure that you know that he's in it and speaking Ted, of Ted, Ted, knowing that God is in something, um, over the last two years, like I know there's gotta be a lot of ways that he's shown himself to you, but <clears throat> maybe what's the biggest challenge that you've faced, uh, heading out there and and how has God helped you to overcome that?
1: Hmm. Uh, I think personally, speak, speaking, um, on a personal level, the biggest challenge was I got really sick, uh, when, when we moved out here. Um, and it was, it's really like interesting looking back on that situation because um, when I was going through it, I didn't think of it as a challenge, uh, but let me explain. So it was in October, so we moved we moved to Idaho in basically the first week of August. In October, I ended up getting super sick with diverticulitis, uh, you know, so if, for those who don't know what that is, your intestines swell up and everything stops working and it's really bad super painful. So I remember uh, going uh, to the emergency room and crying. I'm an emotional guy, if you haven't noticed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I wasn't crying because I was in pain. I was crying because here I am making next to nothing. Uh, my wife at that point just found out she was pregnant and we just moved. So she was nervous about finding a job because you know she she wasn't sure about how how her body would, it was her first time being pregnant, so she wasn't sure how her pregnancy would be. And so here, I'm the only person with income making barely nothing. Uh, we we just signed up for insurance, but didn't even kick in yet. And so I was, we were in big trouble financially. And, uh, and, you know, I spent a total of like a month in and out of the hospital with first getting it under control and then surgery after that. And, how uh, we ended up with this huge, huge bill. I mean, massive. I think they gave us a discount. And after the discount, it was $40,000. And that was more than, I would, than what I was making a year. Let's just put it that way, okay? And I, um, you know, I, at that point, I wasn't that discouraged because, like I said, the this, this story leading up to us moving, God had just confirmed and confirmed and confirmed and confirmed. So I never thought of it like, Oh, thanks a lot, God. Right. Uh, but a lot of people were worried around me like, Oh, Caesar, you just moved here. The devil's attacking you. I was like, I just got sick, you know, kind of how I was thinking. Uh, and, but now that I look back on it, I mean, no, God was, uh, it was a a tough time, you know, and, um, we didn't know what we were going to do. The ministry couldn't afford to give us more money to pay for these bills. So we just gave it over to God, just like everything else. And at that point, you know, um, we had learned a big lesson that if you are all in with him, he's all in with you, you know? And I'm going to cry. Just oh, I gotta get, uh, Hold on. Uh, so it was a couple months later, but we did a bunch of paperwork. Uh, we told them our financial situation, and the hospital forgave our whole debt. Wow, And yeah, I mean, it's just stuff like that. So it's when you, when you ask me the question, what is your biggest challenge? I mean, after seeing God work so much in my life and like stuff like that, it's just one story. Uh, ministry or personally wise, uh, challenges, I mean, they're scary. But when you know you got a God that big on your side, it's like, okay, they're there, but God's going to handle it. You know, like I can relax in that.
0: Well, it sounds like you you work more from from your experience. Now you work more uh, out of anticipation and less out of fear and anxiety. Like you're yeah. just what what's he gonna do instead of like is he gonna do anything? I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah, that sounds like an amazing place to be.
1: It, it is, and so like you know, it's that's the funny thing about surrender. It scares us, right? It terrifies us so much. Well, it's a lack of control. Um, yeah. Right. But, you know, I was talking to uh, Mike Avery when I first moved out here about this, and I said to him, you know, before making the decision to go all in, because, I mean, we left everything in Pennsylvania. You know, we sold, all, like, a lot of our stuff, left all of our family, came came here uh, to do this ministry to get next almost next to nothing in pay. And, um, and it was terrifying to to be that submitted and that, you know, surrendered. But I told Mike that Mike Avery that, you know, standing on this side of the decision now, I've never felt so free. And that is the truth, man. Like if it like when if you're scared of being 100 percent surrendered to Christ, I've already made that decision. I'm telling you from the other side. It's amazing over here. It's so relaxing. Yeah, you know, like when things happen, you can say, Oh, God will take care of it. He always does. He takes care of you. It's it's amazing.
0: Well, it sounds like you measure success differently than most people in the world do. Um, and, and part of your trophies are probably um, the students you work with uh, and the impact yeah. you have on them. What? And let me ask you this question. If you had to bring out the top three examples of students that you your ministry has had an impact on, what would those top three uh, stories be that uh, for impact?
1: Oh, man. So top three uh yeah two years narrowed it.
0: down to to just <laughs> just your top three
1: yeah i have a list of of, of in, in preparing for this podcast I have a list of 10 stories so picking three uh out of the 10 uh it's kind of like challenging but i i have one right here uh it's about a boy named eric and so in our mission here at at, at cert we strive to create an environment where um kids can come in and spiritually thrive okay it's foster their spiritual health is how we kind of um, word it in our in our vision and mission statement and so i try to really hard doing that during especially during lunchtime when i have most the most kids in the building well one day this kid named eric shows up and you know usually when kids come for lunch they're with friends uh, they're laughing, they're smiling, and they sit down. They pull the desks together and come together and sit, to, sit down with their friends and have their lunch. But not Eric. Eric came in all by himself, not smiling, kind of hunched over, and he sat all by himself in a desk. And I went over and said, hey, man, what's your name? He said, oh, I'm Eric, you know, kind of like that, you know, and wouldn't look me in the eye. Well, my wife was there, and, and – she said well, who's that kid oh he's eric does he have any friends it's like i don't know he sits by himself like every day and and i uh, thank god for wives right she said to me caesar you need to make sure you say hi to him every single day i was like okay and th- that sounds like something small and insignificant but for a teenager that's huge right and i just started doing that just Every day, hey, Eric, so good to see you here. Hey, Eric, thanks for deciding, choosing here to to have your lunch. Hey, Eric, how you doing? And uh, almost every day, like, just fine, you know, wouldn't look me in the eye at all and still by himself. But then about after two weeks of doing that, I just saw this change. He'd come in smiling. He'd come in with his hand, like, extended out in front of him for a handshake or a fist bump, Right. And a big smile on his face, looking me in the eye, and uh, and then after that, not only did he start being like opening up to me more, but he started making like a lot of friends in in the cert building. And uh, he started. I mean, now he he was part of one of those clumps in my in my building with kids. And the most awesome thing is now he has enrolled for a cert class. And he is in my largest CERT class right now, which is 18 students. And it's so funny because he came in as the quietest kid. And now in that class, I have to constantly remind him to pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> and which is for me, like, I'm not, I'm not upset about it because he's changed so much. And CERT has been that for him, you know, that healthy environment where he could could get out of his shell and make connections and and make friends. And the the friends that he made, you know, some of them are really good Christian kids. And so this is, I mean, that's part of what we do. So, well,
0: so it sounds like, and yes, I I concur with thank God for wives. My wife is one of the wisest people I know and she keeps me in check and um, yeah, it's definitely a partnership, but it sounds like you invested in him and made him feel accepted, recognized and, and valued. And that's, all it took was effort, of course, but just that. And then he opened up and now he's connected to, uh, people that know Jesus. That's amazing. Yeah.
1: yeah. Another story, um, that I want to tell is about a boy named Silas. This, this is one of the most exciting stories that I have. Um, so I met Silas before school even started before my first day, uh, in class, you know, um, I went over to the high school and asked if, you know, asked when was their open house because I was going to put these banners out in front of the building to let them know that you um, that to come over to see the news. They're
0: yeah. they're letting you advertise as well about sharing the gospel at a public school.
1: Actually, no, I I, I wanted to advertise on my property, but my, my property is so close oh, to the okay. entrance of the school. <laughs> I wanted to. um I wanted them to see the sign, but hold on, hold on, <laughs> okay, because the story gets really good. I went in just to ask when this open house was, so that I could t- you know, be there at the same time. And then I told them my idea, and then they said, "This. Well, why don't you just come inside in our in our big atrium and set up a table, and so the kids get to meet you." My jaw almost hit the ground. Like I came from, like I know I said this before, but I came from Pennsylvania. I uh, worked in a bilingual charter school for six years. That would have never happened there. I mean, they would have almost laughed you. There laughed would be
0: protests you. in the streets. if. That, if yeah. That
1: but so they're like, oh, yeah, come in. Just set up a table. So I did. I was like, this is amazing. Well, I met Silas that night when I went during um, the open house. We were both walking out. It was over. We were both walking outside. And he kept looking over at me. And then so I just said, hey, man, uh, I'm Caesar. What's your name? He's like, Silas. And he goes, are you the, And he asked me, are you the new CERT guy? I said, yeah. And asked asked if he's ever taken a CERT class. And he said, no, because he's not a Christian. That's kind of how he worded it. I was like, oh, I said, that doesn't matter. It's like, yeah, I, you don't have to be a Christian to take my class. Like, actually, I would love for you to take my class. So the he's like, okay, I'll think about it. Uh, school starts. And like the second day, he's in my building. And he's asking me about the class and what we learn, and I'm telling him. And then he, then he tells me, well, I, to be honest, I'm an atheist. It's not just that I'm not a Christian. I'm an atheist. And I said, no. I said, that's perfect. <laughs> I was like, come to class. Ask all the hard questions, right? And, and you will bring so much to our class. You'll bring such great discru- discussions. Uh, and I would love if you did that. That was enough. He, he was hooked
0: how, how yeah. did so, so is he's probably expecting you to be like oh well yeah we don't want your kind here What? what how did he, was he more engaged then or or how did that
1: he was the most engaged student in that in his class uh every day he came in with with a question every day he came in with a challenge uh, and i have a rule my number one rule here at cert is that if you have a question about god life religion philosophy ask it. It doesn't matter if it's on topic, if it do, it doesn't matter if it's random. Uh, I want you to ask it because I'm not here to get a standard, you know, done. I'm here to answer your questions. So that's like my number one rule here at Sir. So he took advantage of that and he kept asking and asking and asking. And the kids, I thought the kids were going to get annoyed, but they lo- the they loved it. The other kids in the class. Well, about 4 weeks of this, right? Of him just you know, grilling me in class, uh, his mom comes in and I'm nervous. Okay. Super (laughs) nervous. The reason why is because, um, his mom and his dad used to be missionaries to Sri Lanka. Hmm. They were part of, I think some Baptist denomination. Uh, so they went out to, uh, to Sri Lanka as, as missionaries. And I don't know all the details. I just assuming that they had a, a, a negative experience during their their mission work, and they ended up leaving the faith. And they they both uh, are you know agnostic or atheist, whatever you want to call it. So um, so I knew this already, and so here comes uh, you know his mom, and I'm ready to be yelled at. I'm ready to to hear why are you indoctrinating my kid or brainwashing my child, you know and. So I'm I'm there kind of like shaking a little bit, but instead she looks at me and with tears in her eyes, she says, Thank you, Caesar. Thank you so much for reaching out to Silas. And it's like before before he met you, he didn't want anything to do with religion. And you know, we're not a religious family anymore, but we all we kind of want our kids just to kind of figure things out for themselves. And Silas has has not wanted anything to do with religion, with God. He doesn't even care. But since meeting you, and taking this class all he ever talks about is what he's learning in cert uh, he spends hours researching christianity online he's even reading his bible wow and yeah that was after four weeks so like silas probably
0: didn't let you in on that fact did he no or? he didn't tell me this, this part, <laughs> yeah
1: well um anyway so he, uh, she she's just she you know tears running down her, her eyes and i'm kind of holding back mine and and she just keeps saying, "Thank you, uh, please don't stop. You know, doing this. Uh, we really appreciate how you've been working in our kids' life." And so she turns around and walks out. And my wife, she was in the room too, and we both, you know, looked at each other. And I looked at her. It's like this is why, right here. This is why we moved out here. And we both were just sobbing. Like this is it was amazing. But his story doesn't end there. Okay, so he even today, like he has not missed. A single cert class. He's taken six. He's this is a sixth, sixth uh, cert class uh, since enrolling. Yeah, he's taken them six times in a row, and he continues just to grow and grow and grow. And he, um, he, uh, the, he wrote an essay for class one time, um, and he, I noticed he stopped asking questions. Right? Almost like I wonder what's going on. <laughs> so during our final, I had them write an essay about who Jesus was to them personally. And uh, I wish I had that essay pulled up in front of me right now, but it said something like this. Um, Jesus to me is the reason why Christianity works. Uh, the fact that he rose from the dead proves that it's true that he's God. Uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is that, is that to me, Jesus Christ is a savior. And I was just like, I, mean, I was crying. I was I was like, I cannot believe this. And that was after 12 weeks of cert classes um so i can i kind of like uh let things kind of that's the thing with teenagers sometimes if you press too hard you'll scare them off right so i was looking for an organic opportunity to um to talk with him about it and it finally came up and he's and this is what he said: caesar it i don't know if i'm really a christian because i understand that it means like like completely you know giving everything up for him but if you're gonna push me to make give you an answer, um, I would say that I'm a Christian. And then I said, "Well, what's your struggle?" You know, it's like, "Well, I, I grew up my whole life an atheist, right? Um, and that's how that. Everybody knew me like that. I'm an atheist, right? And now it's like, if I choose to go down this path, I have to be to- somebody totally different." And I said, "That's exactly what the Bible says, man. You got it right." I was like, uh, "It's like you're, talk- you're talking about putting to death the old man and taking on the new one." And we went over the scriptures, and he goes, "Yeah." So I just, I just, he said, "Just, just pray for me." Is kind of what he said because uh, I, I, I need to make that switch, and I just, it's kind of hard for me. So that that was over the summer last year. So uh, he kind of, was uh, kept doing well. Uh, signed up for a cert class again. Um, I kept you know, discipling him, inviting him out to eat, go kayak, going kayaking with him, um, just being there for him. And um, and then uh, I'm going to end this story here with a couple of stories. So uh, this is when I realized a conversion has ha- had happened. We were in the CERT class. There had to be been at least 30 kids eating lunch. And I was trying to convince this one kid to take, and he said something about being an atheist. I said, ah, oh, atheists come in my class the whole time. Oh, like Silas, that's what he said. And I was like, yeah, but Silas is not an atheist. Yeah, he is. No, he isn't. And, and then he said, you converted him? So i think I didn't convert him. That's kind of how I said it. And um, so he, um, I said, yeah, just ask him. So I thought he was going to walk over and ask Silas if he was an atheist. But he kind of got up in the middle of this class in front of 30 kids. He goes, Silas, are you an atheist? And then, you know, for a teenager, this is the defining moment, right? And he looked as just so relaxed. He, he kind of leans back in his chair. He's like, no, I'm a Christian now. Yeah, Just like that.
0: That's awesome.
1: <laughs> oh, man, I'm going to start crying. Uh, uh, so, yeah. And so if you if if you will let me, I would like to read something that Silas wrote last Oh, yeah. Week.
0: Yeah, go for it. Okay,
1: so let, let me pull it up real quick here. I'm so sorry. Well, and while you're pulling um, that up,
0: I, I noticed like in, in what you're talking about, with him it sounds like a lot of identity issues he's working he's working out who he is in the hierarchy of of high school yes but in life like who is he in life and you're helping him find his identity in Christ that's that's amazing and a great foundation for him moving forward
1: yeah um you know identity is a big thing um especially with the teenagers um but that's absolutely true Uh, and I'm and i and that's one of my strategies here is that I'm constantly pointing back to uh, your identity is only found in Christ because identity is everything now, right? Uh, so, um, and that's what he brought up himself. And so I try not, well, he's he's trying to redefine himself. He, he's into like a lot of different things now because of this transition. Some of the things I'm not too excited about, but I don't, I don't yell at him for it. I just try to f- use what he likes to point him to Christ, you know? And... So like for example he's like go ahead sorry you had something no it,
0: it, with with that in 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 helping him with his identity or influencing him that, there's no way you could do that without having a relationship with him and investing that time and getting that capital with him to be able to influence uh his life there's no way you could do that without yeah. No, so, and we'll we'll talk more a little bit later about how we can yeah. actually have influence with with yeah. uh, with teenagers and young people. but um, go ahead,
1: yeah, I'm gonna read that he wrote, so uh, he wrote this down. Um, he said, during my sophomore year, I always stated stayed uh, uh, straight stayed for lunch, but I considered myself an atheist. My life revolved around sin, uh, although I was considered to be a good person. At heart, I was very sinful. Cert not only converted me to Christianity, but also showed me a pureness of life that can be achieved only through belief in God. To say Cert helped me would be an understatement. When a man pulls you out of uh, a submerged car, we don't say they helped us. We praise him and then say that he saved our lives. In the same way, Cert saved me. Sin was my car trapped underwater with no savior in sight. And Cert showed me the savior of my life, Jesus Christ. So I would say cert not only helped me, but it saved my life. Wow. Yeah.
0: Well, and this is something that, so it's just an oxymoron to me to think that the only, possibly the only exposure this kid would have had to Jesus is through the public school system.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it is. And that's, that's, that's the beauty of like what I'm doing. That's why I say I'm so lucky to be doing this. And for your listeners out there, check into your um, your your state to see if they have a release time law because you'd be surprised how many states actually have a law that allows ministries like this. But I I honestly think that these release time ministries are the most effective youth ministries that we the church could be doing because we're here every day with them with these kids you know if 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 you're a youth pastor having youth group um you know you're lucky to get them there once a week right uh really lucky two times you know sunday and then youth group night right uh but mostly they're just showing up once a week but imagine if you could be with them five days a week you know and, and not and then invest in their lives and let them know that you are a loving and caring adult. And then once you got that, then you're not just building relationships with them five days a week, but you're also pouring in Christ into their lives five days a week.
0: It's just the, the amount of impact. And, and I do want to talk more about how to effectively build authentic relationships with kids. But your stories are so amazing that I don't want to miss out on the third. The, I said top oh, the three. Third. I don't want to miss out yeah, on a yeah, third okay. story. So what, what do you got for us?
1: So I have a story about a young lady named Emma. Uh, Emma, she a uh, very special, special girl. Um, very passionate about the things that she cares about. But uh, the things that she cares about and are passionate about are not the same thing that church cares about <laughs> or you passionate know, about. Let's put it that way. Um, she, if if I would ask a church person to imagine in their mind their typical rebellious teenager, you know, to put it that way, even though I wouldn't call her rebellious at all, that's not how I feel like she is, but you know, just to kind of provoke an image in these people's mind, uh, Emma would be the person they thought of. Okay,
0: I think um, we call it strong-willed yeah yeah administrative. So, I have one of those in my <laughs> I have one of those kids.
1: <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, everything from her philosophies to her even the way she dresses, like the first time she took a circuit class this year, uh, she, half her head was black, half her hair was pink. And then her eyebrows matched, but it was it was actually kind of interesting because like the side that was had black hair, her eyebrow was pink, and the side that had pink hair her eyebrow was black. And so she had this like Harley Quinn look going on. It was uh from the comic books, if you're not familiar with that. Yeah. So um yeah. So that's the kind of person she she is. Uh she um she has bought into the philosophy of uh, f- sexual fluidity and gender fluidity, kind of all that stuff and she but she decided to take the cert class. Uh, I mean and she likes it. And we have our conversations and boy they get pretty uh pretty heated and it's always kind of a challenge to to keep it interesting keep the tension there because it's the tension's good just not uh it's not a power struggle that's like the key right there don't turn it into a power struggle because if you do you'll lose them but um, that's it's good just advice for just about
0: truth. that's good advice for just about every interaction we have with another human being Yeah. Yeah.
1: I I like the tension. I I think it's effective really to go to that point where there's tension in your conversation, but never use that tension to try to overpower the person. But anyways, I digress. So she's, she takes this class. We're having lots of uh, discussions, but you know, it it didn't seem like I was getting anywhere spiritually with her. Um, You know, we'd get to a point and then the light bulb would, I could see it in her eyes. The light bulb will go on, and she got the point, especially, like, stuff about uh, if, is truth relative or absolute, right? And she got it, like, oh, truth has to be absolute. But then you could see it. She just backtracked, oh, no, it's relative, it's relative, it's relative, right? It's totally up to the person. And it got to the point that one time she came to class, like, Caesar, I'm going to join the Satanist church. I'm like, no, you're not. And, like, yeah, I am. And she goes on and on about how it's just so awesome. And that was, like, the only time I actually got kind of upset with her, right? Because I was like, you don't know what you like. You don't know what you're saying, and She's she kind of got your mad margins. at me for you just saying that back to her. It wasn't a very good, healthy interaction, but uh, we got through it because I invested time in, uh, into her life up until that point, you know. But anyways, so she took a cert class at the beginning of the year. The middle of the year, she didn't take the second one. And then uh, right now in the CERT class that we're in right now, she decided to enroll again, and she brought three of her friends who are very similar with her. And so I was like, this is great." Um, and uh, you know, she, you know, she's bi, and of course the, the biblical position on that's pretty clear. And we were, that came up in class one day, and she said, uh, one of her friends, said, "Well, how can you say that you love?" Uh, em- Emma, but be against you know homosexuality, and I always give my you know my 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 answer. And then Emma stopped, it's like, don't leave Caesar alone, he loves me, I'm his favorite. That's how she said it. And so, like, there was this really good relationship. So, I knew that at that point I was really getting through to her. Um, so just like two weeks ago, really, she comes in crying and she had a huge fight with her dad. Um, you know, he, he's a single father, so I can't imagine what kind of pressures he's feeling. So I'm not going to throw him under the bus. But, you know, there's, there was emotional tension there. She didn't know what to do. And she was struggling with, with thoughts of suicide. And um, she was like, Caesar, what do I do? What do I do? And I was like, Emma, you know what I'll say. And she looked at me and was like, then say it. Then say it. I, I'm desperate for anything. And I told her, I like, Emma, you need hope right now. And, there's, and you put your hope in all these things that are so small. And, and and that and that are so fragile and can break. You need you you need to put yourself your your hope in something bigger, in something stronger. And that person is Christ. And she she's she's crying. I'm crying, and she's like, "You're right. You're right. I'm gonna give it a shot. I'm gonna give it a shot." And so we prayed. We're in the middle of the parking lot. We're both crying. We're both praying. And I'm uh, and. She, I looked at her after prayer, and I put my my hands on her shoulder, and I looked at her in the eyes, like, "Are you serious? Are are you are you really gonna give this a try?" And she's like, "Yes, yes, I really am." And so that night, she checked herself into a, a, a mental health hospital. She's getting a therapy that she needs right now, um, but she promised me that she's going to be um, seeking God while she's in there. And so, like, if I can address your listeners right yes. now, yes, yeah, go please, for it listeners please uh please pray for emma this is an opportunity uh for for the church to really come through for her in prayer and just beg that god just meets her where she's at right now in such a real way and you know uh, we're talking about how many people you know listen to this podcast before we started and if all of you who are listening could just pray for her that would be amazing and so help me pray for emma
0: I love that. And let's, with that, let's go to, I mean, you talk about the impact that your ministry is having. You talk about the impact that prayer can have from the listeners, but that influence, we've been kind of dabbling in it a little bit here and there, as you've told your stories, that influence comes at a cost of effort, time, and intentionality. But I want to know from you because you've been doing this for a couple of years now, and you're what I don't know what the time frame is before you become a field expert uh, in youth. Probably never. (laughs) Well, you'll always be learning. But I want I want to know from you how can we um, have a better relationship with younger generations? How can we have more influence? Because there seems to be, uh, and this may be anecdotal, but a generational gap where you know one's calling the other uh names and you know there's millennial jokes and gen x jokes and gen y and there's you know all that stuff there's not a lot of unity among the generations and there seems mm-hmm. to be uh a gap widening where older generations look at younger generations and they they're lost they're they're just spending all their time on social media they're they're a waste They're voting for the wrong person or going to the wrong church or they just can't get it right. They ask too many questions and then youth just, you know, they, they have their own questions. And they, how, how do we, how do we have an influence in that, uh, in that generation from your perspective?
1: Well, <clears throat> I think the biggest thing that that's helped me a lot is learning from my mistakes. So before working at CERT, I was a youth pastor and I, um, uh i made a lot of mistakes drove a lot of kids away and the the biggest thing that drove them away when was when i was trying to indoctrinate them and so let me let me kind of like uh explain what i mean um if i saw something in their life that was not right and sometimes it was just dumb stuff that wasn't even you know like tertiary issues right um Uh, but if I saw something that that I didn't like in their life, I'd pull them aside and I'd give them this huge lecture, right? And the Bible says this and the Bible says that, and I'd beat them over the head with the Bible, and guess what? They didn't come back, right? And so I've decided that, you know, when I came to CERT, I wasn't going to do that anymore. That didn't work for me back in Pennsylvania. And so instead of trying to indoctrinate the kids – and and I think this is like the key here. I think the problem with with what I'm saying is that when we when we try to indoctrinate them, we're tired, we're taking the place of the Holy Spirit, right? We're trying to say, Holy Spirit, I can do your job better. I'm gonna beat the Bible into them, right? And it's I mean, it's our job. This is like Donna, I mean, it's my job to, um, to just present the gospel to them, to present the word to them, and then just trust. The Holy Spirit to do the rest. And I think that brings a lot of people anxiety, and so again, uh, lack but, of control. Yeah, I mean, we keep going back to that, right? Uh, but yeah, lack of control, and so um, and that's what I mean. I guess by I've stopped indoctrinating them. In other words, I I'm not. I don't think that it's that me and the Holy Spirit have the same job anymore, right? And so I uh, my approach now, and this is what I tell the kids. Um, you know. I'm just here to give you the information. I'm just going to expect that you are smart and wise enough to make the right choice. And then I love them through it all. And that, that you know, there's a lot there really that we could unpack. Um, but that's kind of like the most effective thing that I, uh, that I've seen here in, in, in my ministry at CERT.
0: So let's dig deeper there, actually, because... Okay. Uh, I, you know, as well as I do, I, I used to be a tena- teenager. Believe it or not, but you know, some of the teenagers I know, the young kids in college, just telling them something, they're not going to buy it from you. Uh, they they have to see it. So, how do you actively, besides telling them, show them that you trust them, show them that you think they're wise, and 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 have influence in their life that way?
1: All right. So you you said something like, as a teenager, you know. Just saying it sometimes wasn't enough. And you're absolutely right. Some of the best advice that I've gotten for for youth ministry came from the college that we both came from, right? there's a professor there, Meredith Moser, and he used to say, I called them Moserisms. He would say these like one-liners all the time. I used to keep a notebook of them and I lost that. I'm so upset about that. But anyways, uh, there was one that he loved the most that he said all the time. He would say, uh, "They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care." Right? And it sounds a little cliche, but it's like the—I mean—the truth. Um, you know, the book, uh, five, the five long, love languages, kind of talks about this with the love tank. Right? Uh, you need to be depositing a lot of love into their life because then, when it comes to the point where you need to to withdraw, if you haven't put the time in. You're gonna, your check's gonna bounce and it's not gonna feel good. So, um, yeah, so, so that's kind of like the first step is just love. And then, like, there's things that you're not gonna like. Like, some of these style choices that these kids have in here, like, uh, there's, there's this one girl that comes in every once in a while and she has like Sonic the Hedgehog hair. It's blue, spiky mohawk, and it goes down the middle. I mean, I wouldn't do that. If I had a daughter, I'd probably, lose my mind as she was walking around with hair like that. But um I just say, Wow, your hair is really interesting. I mean, I don't have to say that I like it, but I acknowledge it that's you know, and that was it. She she's like, well, I change it all the time. Well next time you change it, come in into the cert building and show it to me. And like she does. And now we have this relationship starting. I haven't got to the point where I'm gonna pull the triggers, and, hey, take the cert class. But these are these you have to love love them just like Christ does, right? Think of, oh, what a novel idea, right? <laughs> love them like Christ does. Christ uh, saw us in our sin. He saw us in, in our imperfections, and he chose to love us anyways. And so, um, you know, let the kids know that they don't, yeah, you want them to change, but they don't have to change for you to love them. And once when, when they when they learn that lesson, they'll start listening to you a lot more.
0: You know what? It, it's uh, I, I know... One of the things about having great communication and compromise and a relationship is finding a way to, to have common ground. Uh, but when, when I hear you talk about, uh, Sonic, the hedgehog hair that you obviously disagree with and wouldn't put on, you know, allow your kid to do probably, but you found common ground. There with something you, even in something you disagreed with and the common ground was simply, I care. Mm -hmm. I find that I care about you. And if this is important to you, I'm going to highlight it, although it's kind of highlighted itself. And let's talk about it. Let's have a relationship here built on. I actually care about you.
1: I had a thought just then, as you were saying, like sometimes, you know, us adults will see behavior like that. And it can be any type of behavior. And we see that, oh, that's attention-seeking behavior. So therefore, I will ignore it. And sometimes it's appropriate to ignore such behavior. You know, I'm thinking especially like with little kids, when they're doing attention-seeking behavior, it's, you know, appropriate. But when you get to a teenage level, uh, that you can use that attention-seeking behavior as a tool, um, as your introduction into their life. And then... Um, and then, after that introduction is done, that you that influence is there, even if it's just a little bit, you can start introducing them to appropriate ways to seek attention. you know what I'm saying? And but it all starts with something that maybe you don't like, you know? And the love the love that Christ shows us in the Bible is uh, an unconditional one, right? And I think us adults, need to remember a few things when it comes to unconditional love, Uh, that first off, we are recipients of this unconditional love. We ourselves made very dumb mistakes in the past. And so we're no different than these kids, right? Yeah, we might be ahead of them, but we were there once, right? Uh, And when somebody gave us unconditional love, and then the other thing is, you know, Christ commands us to love unconditionally as well. And so we 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 like to attach these standards to kids and says, I will show you affection once you do this. And we don't say that out loud. I think it's like a subconscious thing. But they need to know that it doesn't matter what, if they're failing the standard, I'm going to show you love. I'll give you a quick story. There's this girl enrolled in my class. I mean, she she needs a lot of love in her life. Uh, she's her. She never knew her father. Just a couple months ago, found out he died of cancer, and he. She found this out through a friend of a friend, not even from her, her own mother. Okay, a friend of a friend told her that her father died. These are the kind of kids that are hurting and suffering, and she acts out all the time because of of situations like this in her life. She she uh, she her life is very difficult. Let's just keep, put it that way. Well, one day she wasn't very happy with something that I did, and she started yelling at me. And during lunchtime in front of, you know, 30, 40 plus kids, and she started saying, "Caesar, you're stupid. Caesar, you're so dumb." Right? And the thing that I did was, I mean, it wasn't I just wanted her to re- to tell me something that somebody else had done, and she didn't want to tell me, so she yelled at me, she said, Caesar, you're so dumb, you're so stupid, you're such a snitch." And I felt in that moment this anger rise up in me. And I thank God for the Holy Spirit. Um, And because the Holy Spirit really said in that moment, Caesar, she doesn't need somebody to yell back. And I said, So then I looked at her, calmed myself down, and I said, I don't care how many times you call me stupid, I'm still going to love you. She broke down and started crying. She's like, I don't know why I'm crying. I don't know why I'm crying. And I was like, well, if you need some water, I'll I'll give you a free water bottle. You need to go to my back office, sit down and and cool off. You can do that. Oh, shut up, Caesar! You're stupid. You're stupid. I can't stand you. So I said it again. Okay, fine. You can think I'm stupid, but I'm always going to love you. She turned around and walked out the door. I was so hurt from that whole interaction. I really was. And um, I went home, talked to my wife about it. I mean, I was really upset. I said, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Next day, I come in. I still don't know what to do because that, that behavior is inappropriate. We, we all know and understand that. And especially if you want to keep a classroom environment productive, you can't allow stuff like that to happen. But that's where faith comes in. You just trust God, He'll take care of it. She comes up to me and she's, uh, afterwards, she's really quiet. I haven't, wasn't really saying anything to her either. And then she comes up to me and she says, Caesar, I want to apologize for what happened uh, yesterday. She never apologizes to anyone. And I can't take any credit for it. That was all God. It was the Holy Spirit. I mean, he controlled me. And, you know, that's what the scripture says. Don't be drunk with wine, but instead I'll be filled with the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit controlled me. I, he gets all credit for this. And um, yeah, and she, she apologized. And since then, man, she has really opened up. Uh, she's been involved in, 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 in more attentive in class. And that interaction uh, really gave me a lot of influence in her life. So I guess that's what I'm trying to say, like, we have these standards of behavior. Sometimes, like I said, if you're a parent, it's kind of different when in a parent relationship, but in a youth ministry relationship, sometimes they don't need somebody to yell at them. They just need somebody to love them.
0: Wow. And you're providing that safe place for that. And you, yeah. I love how you're weaving in the stories because I know there's a ton of them and, yeah. <laughs> and you've talked multiple times, like as we come to the end of one of those stories about how they open up. And I want to ask you in that opening up, um, what kind of information, data, questions, uh, concerns, fears are you seeing coming from the next generation as they open up? No holds barred. What what are they? What are they asking about? What's their yes. main concerns?
1: They ask a lot of questions. Oh my goodness. Um, but the number one category of questions we kind of alluded to this earlier. And that number one question is, I has to do with identity, and specifically, gender and sexual identity. So, surprise, surprise, right? In our, the culture that we live in today, that's the number one question that these kids are asking. There's a couple of things that we can learn from this. Um, they're paying attention to everything. Okay, uh, you might think that your teenager is clueless, <laughs> and you know their brain's developing and doing funny things. So then they do dumb stuff, right? Um, so I still do think, dumb stuff. But <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Me too. Right. So, um, so, uh, but yeah, they're paying attention to everything. So they, they're asking all these questions about identity, but the biggest one they asked was about homosexuality. You know, how can you be a Christian and hate the gays? Does the Bible really say that homosexuals are going to hell? Um, um, if if God uh, has no body, then why does he have a gender of a of male? That's kind of something to say, right? And if he has no gender, then why why do and and we're made in the image of God, right? So why isn't gender fluid then? Wow. I mean, look at that question. That's a like wow. pretty okay. And these are high school students that are asking these questions. And so um, but yeah, a lot of it has to do with identity. Uh, I think that's the number one thing. Um, and sexual identity, gender identity is something that constantly is coming up in in class. Yeah.
0: Wow. It, well, one thing I love about, cause I'm sure you're sticking to your rule, ask any question you want. You're mm-hmm. not, you're not shutting down that conversation then. So it sounds like you're actually fostering that inquisitive side. Like, yeah, bring it let's answer it yeah because there is an answer
1: well yeah absolutely there is an answer um and you know before I think my first year the first time somebody asked me that question I was terrified terrified I was like oh my goodness what am I gonna do so I have this list on my of verses on my, on my phone that I keep saying Um of all the verses that deal with homosexuality. So I just turned around. I wrote them all on the board. I said, look it up yourself. Let's keep going. (laughs) That was my first time answering the question because I was that nervous. Uh, It was hard. But now that I've kind of developed the relationship, and we keep going back to that. If you want weight in your kid's life, you have to put in the work. You got to love them. You got to deposit into the love bank first before you can do a withdrawal, right? And so uh, after Building relationships with these kids, it's allowed for me to have these tough conversations where they'll get up in tears and ang- like angry tears running down their face, and they'll leave my classroom. But they know Caesar loves them no matter what, and so they turn around the next day and come back, and and they'll and they'll keep sitting through my class, you know. Um, so like I know sometimes we are scared to have these tough conversations with our kids, um, but uh, going back to something I learned at GBS. You know, sometimes we belittle our teenagers by not digging in deep with them. We think, "Oh, they can't handle it. They're, they're young's Their minds are too young." But no, they can handle it. And we belittle them when we don't want to tackle these um, these tough questions with them. Instead, we should be viewing them as fellow uh, searchers for the truth. They're just peers in this journey for truth, right? And when we look at them that way, I mean, it, it enriches the conversation and, and it opens doors um, to to meaningful, meaningful, deep conversations. Wow.
0: And, and you're referring GBS, you're referring to God's Bible School and College, where both of us uh, got our, our degrees from um, at that, mm-hmm. that level. And I mean, it sets a foundation. And you're right. I, I, I hear the overarching theme in, in what you're talking about. Don't shut down questions because uh, they're going to get an answer from somewhere. Yeah, why, why I'm Totally, I'm so glad you said
1: that. Yes. Why wouldn't I
0: want them to get it from from me? Or if I don't know the answer, I can find the answer because if I don't know it, I probably need to know more about it too. But they will find the answer from somewhere.
1: Yeah, and here's the thing, man. Okay, so we're Christians, right? And and we are, um, you know, following the way, the truth life jesus christ right in romans 8 he invites us to be co heirs with him right that 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 part is the, the truth right and and truth uh the the truth that christ presents to us in the bible is this very um absolute truth right and so if something is absolutely true we shouldn't be afraid of that truth right or or afraid of somebody challenging it you know sometimes i feel like we treat the truth of god's word um, as this fragile thing that can't be attacked. Right. And, um, and so we're afraid of these questions, but really you're not afraid of, of the question or the truth falling apart. I think you're afraid of yourself, right. Of not knowing the truth well enough. I think that's what what it truly is. And so, but back to what I'm trying to say, that's another off topic. <laughs> I know that sounds back like another the,
0: podcast episode. Yeah. Dude, that was a little deep.
1: Uh, but going back to like, us like if we truly believe that this is the word of god the absolute truth that's power man all right i mean think about these people that we disagree with on the other side of the political aisle whatever aisle you think of right, all right? they stand up on these on the on their box of truth and they do it with authority and they're not afraid they're not ashamed why because they're convinced that it's absolute right so then why is it that when we who Honestly, right? There's so much evidence to point to the fact that Christianity is the truth, that the God that we worship is the author of reality itself. If we truly believe that, then why are we scared to tackle questions, man? Right? It just doesn't make sense to me.
0: Well, I, I yeah, and, and the Bible actually tells us to, to be bold in our faith. Uh, uh, you're, you're talking about something that could be a whole, whole episode, just being bold in your face, but no, (laughs) but it goes back to, it goes back to that. uh, Are we actually finding our identity in Christ? Are we actually reading God's word? Are we actually, uh, in community with other believers? Um, and those other believers, as you said, include younger generations that, Mm -hmm. I'll I'll be honest. I, I don't actually sometimes view as peers. Uh, Mm -hmm. certainly there's a a different dynamic to that relationship, Mm -hmm. um, depending on mentoring or teaching or parenting. But when it comes to Christ following, they are peers. Um, and and they're following after us as we follow after Christ. That's a lot of responsibility.
1: But not only that; they're examples to us. That's what First Timothy chapter four twelve says. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but instead be an example of all these beautiful, amazing things, right? And so um, that's why that's why like I'm not afraid to say we should view them as peers in this journey for truth, right? Because the the Scripture clearly says that they can be an example to us as
0: well. Let me ask um, you this: on that to 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 drive that point home, in your two years doing sir, have you learned anything from your students
1: oh man i was not expecting that question <laughs> um yeah the answer would be yes definitely I, i've learned a lot about the culture um i've learned a lot about um uh what what matters most to them but as far as spiritually and biblically speaking have i learned anything from the kids and i think um what i've learned the most is what it means uh, what they've taught me is what it means to be um, a discipler, right? To disciple them, um, you know, and they they helped me understand what Jesus was trying to tell us the whole time. And that when he took his disciples, he just, he said, I'm going on this journey with you or without you, but you can come along with me. And so uh, what, you know, and what does that look like in today's world? Well, I'm going on this journey, right, Christianity, I'm going on, I'm just living life, Uh, why don't you uh, uh, do it, uh, just come along with me. And I think we like to complicate discipleship by saying, okay, well, I got to schedule it, I got to do it this day, Um, I got to have a snack, I got to have a Bible study ready, we got to have a set list, maybe a couple songs, we got to find someone who can play the guitar. You're just doing church again, Like, like, that's not what discipleship is. And so this experience has taught me that you know hey I'm, I want to go kayaking uh uh hey call up a kid. hey I'm going kayaking today with or without you you know you want to come along sure we're kayaking and guess what comes up in our conversation Christ right if we're true Christ followers it's it's inevitable that it's going to come up uh, I want to go I, you know I start snowboarding again this year I want to go snowboarding um you know, hey, kids, I'm going to snowboard. You want to come with me? Yeah, we, we just go snowboarding together. And it's a an hour and a half drive to the ski place. Guess what came up during my drive? Uh, how do you know you're going to go to heaven? Why are Christians not afraid of of dying? Is these qu- real? I'm telling you, this is the actual questions that they asked me. We had these beautiful conversations while we drive. And so, like, we overcomplicate um, discipleship and, um, but it but all it is, is is you're just doing your life you're just bringing a, somebody along with you um so yeah that's one thing i have another thing if you wanted to so yeah so. go for it go for it i think the other thing that they taught me is that um uh the, the importance of relying on the holy spirit right um to 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 teach them right I get so I think all ministers do this. So all people who are Sunday schools teacher—that's what I mean by minister. Sunday school teacher, um, you know, worship leader, whatever. Anybody involved in ministry impacting somebody's life. I think we get all caught up in this that we have to convince them that we have to, we have to make sure that they understand, right? And and there's still an element of that. But my biggest lesson that I learned from these guys is that um, they are actually capable of figuring it out. Um, you might have to uh, bring it down to their level. And so what I mean by that is just don't use churchy words all the time, I guess, right? You know, um, yeah, just rely on the Holy Spirit. Uh, trust them, present the information, and then just trust them. Because you know Romans says that, that, chapter one says that God kind of already put this information in us right there's another passage i can't think of where it says that the evidence for christ is so true that and and obvious that we would be without excuse paul says that somewhere else and so um and so it's there we're just kind of like here's the word and then we we just start praying you know and so that's what I do every day. We have a class. It's pretty organized. We have our notes, and I just present the truth. And then I go, I and I have, it's not just me. I have like a list of people who have their, my students' names, and they just pray and pray and pray for these kids because it's the Holy Spirit's job to illuminate them. It's just my job to introduce.
0: Well, wow. And th- that takes a lot of the pressure off, but it, it simplifies it. Um, your first example, kayaking and such, just making everyday activities and everywhere you go a mission for christ no matter what and and just jumping on opportunities um well i want to ask you this question uh because you know your, your your ministry has a lot of impact we've we've settled on that there's a lot that you're learning out of it there's a lot that i can learn out of it um but you know you talked about some of the funding and things like that but let me ask you this if you had an extra one hundred thousand dollars what would you do with it and how would it impact your students
1: me personally because i'd buy a house (laughs) but are you talking about the ministry If somebody
0: today that's listening donated anywhere between five thousand and a hundred thousand dollars to your ministry to be used for 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 whatever what would you do with it and how would it impact your kids
1: I think the very first thing I would do with it is hire somebody else. Uh, not to replace me. That's not what I was trying to say, uh, but to join me in, in this effort. Um, uh, we i'm I'm the only guy doing this, so i'm I'm pretty stretched thin. Um, so I'd hire an, an assistant. Um, i I think the wise thing to do would be kind of start off part- time, but eventually uh, grow that into a full time position. Uh, because the more kids the more healthy Christ-like safe adults that are in this in their kids' lives uh, in these kids' lives, the better. And then of course that uh, with a second adult in the ministry, I'd be able to um, offer more classes. right now, I'm only offering three classes a day. and so I have 33 students total right now. and if I were to double that with a second person, I mean, we're talking about sixty six kids, you know, or more. I had total for the whole entire year I had forty nine individuals who enrolled, uh, some of them multiple times, you know, but forty nine total. So two people, I mean, double that. So then we're talking about double materials, double class size. Um, and um, yeah, so I, I think what my first step would be to hire somebody um, uh, hopefully with the with the intentions of making them full time. And then start forming committees um, using that income to give stipends to people who are, ex- who are experts in their field with curriculum, uh, spiritual development, and really hone in on our skills here. Because um, um, like I said, we haven't uh, gotten there yet, but our next step academically is to start teaching at a level where these kids can get a college credit if they want to and in humanities and so uh we had to build a. I'm talking to nnu right now about that and they um they they want us to build our own curriculum so i would hire uh somebody who has a master's degree in curriculum development uh to start a committee and then we we'd start you know use that committee to start forming a curriculum create a scope and sequence um, and then the uh, another part I think I'd like to do, well, now my money's kind of running thin, but if I have a little <laughs> extra left over, I want to do a lot of faith tracking because um, one of the things that motivates me a lot in ministry is the, this statistic, 80 to 90% of all church-going kids, the kids that are there every Sunday, every time the doors are open, 80 to 90% of them will leave the faith if they go to a secular college after their first year, Right. And that that's a, that's a i don't know it's it's kind of getting old that that information that stat so i'm kind of curious what that number is now but my belief is that our impact here at cert is so strong that we're changing that number and so i want to start doing some some faith studies uh longitudinal studies of how um how this ministry is, is not just impacting them while they're here in high school but as adults and so kind of tracking them all the way through college and see what the faith retention looks like, and then of course, if it's not looking good, that refl- that you know that brings us that's a good thing too, because then we just go back to the drawing board and figure, out, okay, what do we what do we need to be doing? But that, I guess you know those are the top three things, um, four things. I we're gonna the school building high school wants to move, uh, they're voting that on they're voting on that in May. Uh, the the popular opinion is it's not gonna pass, but if it were to pass, that means. Uh, we had to buy new land, build a new building. Uh, so, uh, if there was money left over, I'd put it away in the bank for that, start saving up for that big project.
0: Well, okay. Let me do some shameless marketing for you. Uh, for those of you listening, if you had, if you know of an organization or you know, somebody who has a heart for kids that wants to help a ministry that is having an active impact, double their impact, uh, and they want to take this on. We have a need for um, a, a, another teacher. So if you want to take on a salary and pay somebody to directly impact kids sharing the gospel in the public school system, taking it to them, uh, you, could, you can contact Cesar Perez. We'll have that in the show notes. So you can contact him directly and take that on. Um, and that would double your impact. And then if you happen to have a master's or experience in curriculum development. And you would like to to help with that development Uh, and you would like to either give your time or sponsor your time or or help to develop this so that it's more uh, incentive for kids to come into the class because now they're getting credit for it. Now it's it's development for college. Now it's uh, another level of importance, not only to learn about Jesus and have fellowship and, and be in a safe place, but now they're preparing for college. Uh, and they're getting a head start on it. If you have experience with curriculum development or know someone who has experience with that, you can reach out to Cesar Perez. Uh, and then if you, you, know, if you, if you wanna uh, buy a building for them, you know, <laughs> you can do that too, I guess. But those, it sounds like those are the immediate needs for you that would substantially and immediately double your impact uh, over what you already have. That would be amazing. Um, speaking of that, Caesar, where can people find more about your ministry, more and more about you?
1: Um, well, uh, let's start off with the ministry. If you want to follow us on Facebook or Instagram, we have both of those accounts. Uh, um, you can find us. Just go to Christian Education Release Time, um, and then uh, type that in like Emmett, Idaho. Add that in there; it'll help you find it. But uh, we're there on uh, on Facebook, and then. Uh, our Instagram handle is, at uh, cert Emmett, I think, or is Emmett cert is one of the others, but at cert Emmett or Emmett cert. And I, that one's more so for my students it's, I use it kind of more like a, an announcement board, but I mean, I have a lot of adults following that just to keep up with the ministry as well. Um, those are two things on social media that you could follow. Um, personally, uh, you know, uh, uh, I'm not very much of a social media guy. I mean, I like using it. I'll post funny things every once in a while, uh, but nothing very inspirational. <laughs> uh, I do most, I'll save that for the classroom. <laughs> uh, but if you do want to follow my Instagram page, I do like taking nature photography. And so I, I have that, it's, uh, see, um, uh, I think C. Perez photos. Uh, that's my Instagram handle, but
0: and we'll have those links in the show notes for you just click over on notes whatever app you're in uh, and you'll be able to see those or go over to the gray story podcast instagram page Uh, go ahead and follow us but we tend to follow each one of the the guests that we have on if they have an instagram account Um, so you'll be able to look through those that we follow and and find caesar perez as well Um, caesar we're coming to the end of our time together and i like to ask a question if you could talk directly to the listener right now, uh, the people that are listening to you. Um, and kind of on what we've talked about having an impact on youth, getting into the lives of the next generation that are coming up fast and are paying attention, what would you say to, to either that generation or our generation or the generation that came before us? Uh, if you had the opportunity,
1: I would go back to relationships. You know, growing up, uh, going to college where everything's performance oriented, right? And nothing bad about. Not saying anything bad about my college. It's just that's just the nature of school, right? Uh, But I always thought there was a problem with me. You know, with being too relational. Um, I, I I wished I was more task oriented. You know, and. But it wasn't until this ministry that I realized the value of relationships, and that what God had given me this this desire to connect with people wasn't a bad thing. It wasn't me wasting time, and uh, this is th- that's where true ministry happens. You cannot change anybody's life. Um, well, actually, it's not on you. It's on the Holy Spirit. But you can't connect with anybody, have any influence, if you don't take the time to build relationships with them. I, I, I know working with teenagers is not um, always the easiest thing. I know they do things that make you really mad, but you got to love them. You have to have to love them despite it all. If it's hard for you, just remember God loved you despite it all. I can think of my own life i did some dumb stuff but god still loved me i made some horrible mistakes but god still loves me i failed a lot a lot and god loved me through it all and remember that um you know sometimes as adults we get to the point where we think uh we have the answers and we because of all of our life experiences and you might have all the answers but remember you didn't always have all the answers and that's where they're at. And so remember that this uh, this time is a unique opportunity for you to be there with them as they wrestle with these things. Don't be an antagonist in their story, be a partner. Um, they might give you an idea that's not biblical, but run with it and show them A better way, you know, don't go say no right away, but say, oh, that's interesting. Let's talk about that. And as you talk, say, oh, wow, you know, the Bible has something to say about that, too. This is what it says. And you you have validated them, but still stay true to the truth. And that's the last thing I would like to say is don't be afraid of these conversations. God has given us a lot of power here. A lot of authority. We are co-heirs, the Bible says, of the truth. Study it. Know it well. You know, sometimes the biggest challenge in ministry are not the outside challenges, but it's the person in the the ministry chair. I think that's a lot sometimes. So myself, uh, what's the biggest challenge? Well, sometimes it's me. And I had to be completely submitted to Christ, completely pursuing Him, if this, I want this thing to work. And if you're dealing with working with teenagers, and you're working with kids, you gotta seek the truth and be completely surrendered to it. And don't be afraid. The truth is strong. It'll stand up on its own. You're just, the intru- you're just introducing them. That's it. It's not your job to, to convince them or to illuminate them. It's your job just to introduce them to the God that loves them to the truth that changes your life and sets you truly free, let the Holy Spirit take care of the rest.
0: That's awesome. There's so much there, a huge challenge. I know I'm going to have some things to work on uh, coming out of this uh, this episode in just building relationships so, so I can have an influence. Uh, but Caesar, thank you so much for coming on this podcast episode. I know your time's valuable uh, and I appreciate you coming on to share uh, and, and being with us here today.
1: No, I had a lot of fun uh, so thank you so much for for doing this and um, one more plug if I could I forgot to mention our website. Uh, uh, it's at Emmettsearch.org. If you want to partner with us there's a, a link there to partner with us and so go check that out but uh, yeah thank you so much for this opportunity. I hope it was edifying to the to those who are listening. Um, and I just want to say, you know, I'm not an expert really, I'm just, um, I'm just doing what God wants me to do and I'm having a great time and I want others to have a good time too, doing what God wants them to do.
0: I love it. And we'll be praying for you, uh, as you continue your, your labors out there in, in Idaho. All right. Thank you. And thank you to you, the listener for joining us on this episode and listening in, joining the conversation. Uh, Man, what a good one. Before you go, we have a couple of things we'd like you to do, head on over to Instagram and give us a follow on there, Grace Story Podcast. There's a lot over there uh, for you to be encouraged by, challenged by, lots of resources for you that we're posting. And then go to Facebook, Grace Story Podcast on there. Uh, Follow that page and uh, share it with your friends. Get your friends to follow that as well. Uh, There's lots of great stuff. Uh, If you want to be a tangible part of the ministry and donate that you can just text "Grace Story" all one word to four four three two one. That's "Grace Story" all one word to four four three two one. You know, in this episode that we listened to with Caesar, a lot came up about identity um, and how important it is to kids today. How how much of a conversation uh, is being uh, built around uh, identity in our culture uh, today? So in two weeks. We're gonna be talking about that on our next episode with Sarah Semenik. She's gonna be great and she's gonna be talking about Uh, identity, what it is, how it's formed, when uh, does it start forming? Uh, Can we change our identities? All these questions uh, that we're going to be asking, and she's going to help to address uh, our identity in Christ. I'm telling you, it's the foundation of our Christian walk, and it's the foundation of any journey of restoration into what God wants us to be and the abundant life he has for us. I hope you'll join us in two weeks for that. Until then, we'll be praying for you.